This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you are listening to episode 21, God Help Me. So what's on the menu today? Well, today we're going to talk about prayer. I have a book that I'd like to share with you. It's a book I picked up just the other day, and I have to say it's, uh, it's blowing me away, and uh, I want to tell you that story. Uh, also, I'm going to review a new cookbook, uh, Cooking Up a Storm. I've mentioned that book a few times on the show. But this is going to be my somewhat official uh, review of that cookbook. And uh, I'm also going to share a couple of recipes from that cookbook with you. Uh, One of those is going to be a Louisiana favorite, red beans and rice. I just uh, cooked that the other day. Um, And I think the kids are also going to share, you know, what's been going on with them for the last uh, couple of weeks. I mean, we're in summer now. So uh, definitely, we're definitely having a change of pace here. Uh, And also, uh, what have you learned lately? Uh, You know, we're always learning, but we don't always reflect on what we learn. Uh, But today I want to reflect on a few things that that I've learned just this past week, and and from the Internet, no less. Uh, Finally, we have a big feast day coming up. It's the Sunday, this Sunday, as a matter of fact, and uh, it's the Feast of Corpus Christi, the uh, celebration of the body and blood of the Lord. So I want to thank you for joining us here at The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Well, if this episode sounds uh, different, that's, that's because it is. Uh, I've, I've got a different uh, setup here, uh, the audio setup, and uh, I'm just experimenting. I want to see how this sounds, and please let me know. Uh, please uh, comment on the website, catholicfoodie.com, uh, for this, this particular post, this, uh, this episode, and let me know what you think about the, uh, the sound. Is this better, or should I go back to what I was doing? I mentioned to you, I mentioned to you that I wanted to share uh, some thoughts on, on a book that I've been reading. Uh, it's on prayer. It's, it's called uh, God Help Me. Uh, How to Grow in Prayer is the subtitle, How to Grow in Prayer. And this book was written by Jim Beckman. Jim Beckman uh, is a youth minister. He's up in in Colorado. And uh, there's more uh, more about him, more details about him that that I'll probably share in the official review on on the website. You know, he was one of the youth ministers that was there in Littleton, Colorado. I think he was in the, in the parish there in Littleton when, uh, you know, the whole Columbine thing happened. So uh, Jim has had a lot of experiences. He, he, is, uh, he was a student at the Franciscan University of Steubenville, and he also, I know for a number of summers, I don't know if he still does this, but he was the, the MC of the, uh, of the teen retreats, or, or conferences rather, in Steubenville, uh, the summer conferences. So he has uh, lots of experience. He's been doing youth ministry for a very long time, and he wrote this book. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an official reviewer for The Catholic Company, which you can find at the, uh, thecatholiccompany.com, and there's also a, uh, a, a button, an icon there on the website, on my website, catholicfoodie.com, and you can uh, check them out. Uh, and I, I got this book from them to review. And to tell you the truth, I mean, I got it probably, uh, I don't know, three or four weeks ago, and at first, I just wasn't, um, I wasn't, well, I was going to say interested, but that's not really true. We, we were trying to finish, finish up school, right, finish up the school year. 
so I, I didn't uh, have, have a whole lot of time to devote to it. So uh, just this past week, I picked up the book for the first time, and I read the introduction. It was late. I had stayed up late. Uh, I don't know what I was doing, either watching a movie or uh, probably working on a website. And before I actually got into bed, I, I picked the book up. I said, you know, I really need to get into this because I'm supposed to do this review, and I can't do the review until I read the book. So um, I read the introduction, and I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be honest, I was not impressed with the introduction um, at all. Uh, this is uh, the way that I see it. The book is supposed to be directed toward teenagers. Of course, people of all ages can uh, uh, can learn from it. But in my in my own opinion, I think it's written at a level that's just a little higher than than what your typical teenager would uh, would read. So the the introduction uh, it didn't impress me. Lots of big words in there, and, and for me, that's fine. For an adult, that's fine. For a, a, a college kid, that's fine. But for high schoolers, I kind of, you know, I was wondering, man, is this, is this something that, uh, that they would really get into? So I actually, I put the book down. Uh, I had planned on reading into to chapter one when I, when I picked the book up, but I read the introduction. I said, you know, it, it's not interesting to me. I'm just going put it, to put it away. So I did. I put it away, and I went to bed. And then a couple of days later, I, uh, you know, it was sitting there on the bedside table, and I thought, well, let me, let me go ahead and look at, uh, at chapter one. And I pulled it out. I didn't even get past the first page of chapter one, and I felt like I'd been cut to the heart. Wow. I mean, this book, the message in this first chapter uh, rocked my world. I know that's uh, maybe a trite expression, but it really did. It, it kind of shook me up, you know. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I took a few notes here, actually. I, I didn't want to miss anything uh, when I'm, I'm sharing this with you. And uh, the first thing, you know, prayer is vital in the Christian life, and it's vital actually for salvation. One of the church fathers, and I can't remember right now which one it was, one of the church fathers said that without prayer there is no salvation. So without prayer there is no salvation. Wow, that's a, a, a huge statement, a tremendous statement, uh, and it's scary too, for a lot of people. It's scary for me. You know, without prayer, there is no salvation. And, um, you know, lamentably, my prayer life has, uh, has been less than satisfactory, you know, in the last year or so. Um, and there's, there's a lot that could be said about that. There's a lot that, that has gone into that, I think. Uh, but, you know, here I am. I, I'm, you know, I'm a catechist. I'm a teacher. I teach religion. Uh, I'm a husband, a father. I'm the Catholic foodie. You know, I'm on staff at my parish uh, as as the director of the confirmation program. You know, I'm, I'm involved in all these things, and yet prayer can be very elusive in my life. You know, of course, you know, every Sunday I go to Mass, and, you know, I believe in God, and, you know, all the, all this stuff. And, and from time to time, I'm able to, to uh, pray the rosary. I used to pray it every day, but I, I haven't lately. Uh, so prayer is still there. I mean, to some extent, just not um, not daily prayer, not not real kind of committed daily prayer. And and truthfully, what I've done, I've I've kind of depended in my mind at least. I've said this, you know, my prayer is kind of like prayer on the go, right? It's um, trying to make your life into a prayer and trying to converse with God during the day, throughout the day, whatever you're doing, and that's very praiseworthy. That's wonderful. But if that's all I'm doing, right, if that's all you're doing, then is that really 
enough? Is it really charging our spiritual batteries if we're only praying on the go uh, and not really spending some time, uh, dedicated time, really, uh, and, and sitting with Jesus? So, um, anyway, my prayer has been less than satisfactory. And the first page, that, that's another reason, by the way, why I wanted to review this particular book. I got to choose which book I was going to review. And I, I chose this one because I felt like, you know, I really need to pray more. I need to pray better. I need to uh, sort of rebuild my, my prayer life. So I picked this book up. Yeah, I read through that first page in chapter 1, and I felt like someone had just punched me right between the eyes. Uh, I, I, I just couldn't, I, I was stunned. And let me tell you why. You know, chapter one is entitled, Why Prayer is Important. And he, he, you know, talks about how he, he started going to spiritual direct, uh, direction a number of months back. And, uh, he, he met with this, it was a Jesuit priest. He would meet with him every month, once a month. Uh, for spiritual direction, and he went in there this one time. It was, I think, his fourth or fifth month he went into spiritual direction, and he kind of said the same thing. He said, this is what he says, all right? Um, <laughs> is that we prayed, and then my director asked his typical, so what's up? And I responded, well, it's been really busy lately. <laughs> and he abruptly interrupted me, stop. The next thing you're going to say is something like, and I really haven't been praying as regularly as I should. There was an awkward silence. He had taken the words right out of my mouth. He let the silence hang there for a bit and then said, That's what you've said for the past four months, every time we've gotten together. Another awkward silence. I really didn't know what to say. My spiritual director finally asked, So what's it going to take, Jim? I looked at him quizzically. Not sure what he meant. What's it going to take to convince you? Again, a questioning look. I was genuinely confused. What's it going to take to convince you that there's nothing more important that you can do every day than spend time in prayer? Wow. There I sat. That's what he said, right? There I sat. And that's... It's kind of the way I felt, too, uh, when I read that, that, uh, that last question and statement. You know, not even five minutes into the session, and I was knocked out. I had thoughts running through my head like a firestorm. Every time I would think of something to say, I would realize how stupid it was. Just a lame excuse. And my spiritual director didn't rescue me. In fact, several times during my mental gymnastics, he looked up at me, or I looked up at him, rather, to get a questioning look, which for some reason really annoyed me. <laughs> he had nailed me, and I knew it. This torture seemed to go on forever. The more I wrestled with his question, the more I realized that there just wasn't an adequate answer. Then it hit me. I really wasn't convinced that prayer was important. I mean, if I was convinced, prayer would happen, right? I would find time, no matter how busy I was. I would make time. Something huge happened to me that day. I admitted to myself that I really didn't believe that I needed God. I thought that I could serve Him and live for Him without spending intimate time with Him. It sounds terrible when you say it out loud, but that was the way I was living. 
I let the words ring in my open mind. I actually believed that I didn't need to pray. I wept. I wept. So that, that was the experience he had. And of course, he's got more to say about this. But, but I read that, which is really is just part of page one and part of page two. And it brought, I just, I, I, I was dumbfounded, speechless. You know, here I am. I, I can say the same thing. I'm a minister, a lay minister. I'm on staff in the parish, a catechist. I teach people about the faith all the time. Uh, that's my, my job, you know. And yet, I don't spend regularly, daily, intimate time with God. Um, and it really is terrible when you say it out loud. It's, it's sort of unbelievable, you know. Um, but I want to change that. I want to change that. And the rest of this book kind of it, it takes it from, uh, from his experience. And really, it, it's, a, it's talking about his road of discovery to a renewed prayer life, to a, um, to a vibrant prayer life, uh, to a deep prayer life. And, and that's something that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to journey on as well as I read this, this book. I haven't even finished chapter one yet, so I just wanted to share with you what I've seen so far because I think it's so powerful. And, uh, and, I, and I really need to, to improve. So I, I, I kind of thought, you know, sharing this with you, it may help you, first of all. And secondly, I think it's going to help me. And in a way, kind of make me more accountable. That I'm, I'm sharing all of this with you. That uh, you know, I really need to increase my prayer and uh, improve my prayer, and and hopefully that'll help me to do so. Hopefully, that will help me to do so. So, uh, feel free from time to time if you want on the website to send me a little note and say, "How's your prayer going, Jeff? How you doing?" Um, because I need it. I need to do that. Uh, you may remember the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, when at, at uh, you know the um, the Jews were living in exile, and, uh, and and Jerusalem had been destroyed, and Nehemiah felt like God was calling him, and he asked the king uh, for leave, right, to go and rebuild Jerusalem, and the king let him do it. He went to rebuild Jerusalem, and of course. Uh, a number of Jews, a number of Israelites went with him to rebuild Jerusalem. And it took effort to rebuild the walls. It took effort to, uh, to, uh, to rebuild the city. Uh, but it was worth it, and it was what God was calling them to do. And, you know, I thought about that story the other night after I'd put down the, the book, uh, God Help Me. I, I thought about that story, and it's like, you know, God's calling me to rebuild the Jerusalem of my heart. God's calling me to rebuild the Jerusalem of my heart, that he's calling me to, uh, to rebuild my relationship with him, to rebuild my life of prayer, and not just rattling off prayers, but, but that, that sense of, of intimacy with God, that real prayer, that, uh, that deep prayer, where it doesn't matter what you feel, it doesn't matter what you say, uh, but that, it's that, that real communion that you experience uh, with God, which can only be done as far as I know, through 
a commitment to daily prayer. Uh, so, and it doesn't have to be a ton, you know, I, with my schedule and the fact that I'm trying to actually start doing this again, uh, I'm going to try to commit to something very simple, like reading the Bible every night uh, quietly and to uh, meditate on what I read. I think that that would be something, and to, and to converse with God about what I read. So that's something that I could start with so that little by little I can rebuild the walls of, of the Jerusalem of my heart. So I hope to keep you updated on that, uh, on that progress, and I ask that you please pray for me as I undertake this new uh, uh, spiritual journey. Well, it is summer, and uh, you know I haven't gone, had to go to school every day, uh, but I've kept myself pretty busy. And I'll tell you more about all my little activities uh, in a while, but, you know, my kids have been very busy, too. Summer's a great time, uh, I think, for all families. Uh, But, you know, it's wonderful to see the kids free, you know. And and I mean, not just free as in no schoolwork, but they're really, the days are full of playing, and and, uh, whether it's playing, uh, like my kids love to play video games, so they play video games, or they're playing outside, or riding their bikes, or going for a walk. Or uh, swimming. They love to swim. Uh, but we also have other activities as well. Uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, Christopher was in a play, and I'm going to have him uh, share a little bit about that play and how that went. And then the girls had their recital. So I, I figured I would catch them uh, the other night. I did record this part the other night. And ask them what what they thought of these activities, what what they do and, and what they like about them. Well, Christopher, recently you were in a play, correct? Mm-hmm. What play? Uh, Sleeping Beauty. And what character did you play? I played as King Hubert. And how was it? Well, I wasn't very excited at first because I really wanted the part at Prince Philip, and I was just so upset that I didn't get the part of Prince Philip. But later it started coming together, and the end, it was pretty good. But still, I never got used to it. I never got used to being King Hubert. But still, I really love the part. And I also plays the owl. Yeah, your owl costume was awesome. Owl costume. Everyone loved it. And in the play, when I was King Hubert, I also got to be fat. I got to be fat. How'd they make you fat? Uh, well, he stuffed pillows on my shirt. And now, it was very bad. It was not very good at first because we had one in the back and in the front. But then, in the end, we only did one in the front, because if we did it in the back also, then my sh- then you could see the pillows. Now, so it looked better after, huh? Mm-hmm. It looked better, but still, it was way too big of a pillow. I needed a smaller pillow, because if I had a big pillow, then... But do you think that the audience liked the way that King Hubert looked? Yes, probably. There's only one thing I was missing: facial mm. hair. Facial hair. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was. I forgot to get facial hair. Um, I was supposed to go to uh, Michael's. And yeah, when you were on the stage, could you hear the audience laugh at certain points? Can I hear the audience laugh? Yes, I really heard the audience laugh. Especially when you said some of your lines. Especially when I said my lines. Oh, when I came on. As the owl, um, 
people didn't know I was an owl. Oh, I think they knew. Just about no one. You looked just like an owl. I looked like an owl. Mm -hmm. You know what? Everyone thought that. Um, a lot of people thought that the shirt was leaves. They thought it was leaves. It was feathers. Feathers. And you had ponytails in your hair for ears. I had pigtails. Yeah, pigtails. Very funny. And I also had, um, I also had, um, like, I had blush, and I had You had to wear makeup for the owl? Yes, and I also had huge glasses. I had huge glasses. There were two pieces of plastic in the middle. There was, um, it was a magnifying glass. They look like. Harry Potter glasses. They look. They they were nerd glasses, and I actually know where it came from. Oh yeah. I know where that came from. Yeah, we went to um Tuesday morning, and they had this um and they had this thing. It was like a disguise kit, and I saw the exact same glasses. Wow. Well, cool. And I know that y'all practiced so much uh-huh. for months, huh? For um. We practiced for three months. Three months, wow. And y'all learned a lot of songs? Yes. We, um, I'll tell you every single Well, don't song. tell me every song. Why don't the three of you pick one and y'all can sing it? Okay. okay, which one should we do? Should we do A Curse on the Princess from yeah. Maleficent? Or should we do My Owl one? How about we do... We're only going to do one because we only have time for one. Yeah, the shortest one it, probably that I do is I Wonder. I wonder we're going to do I Wonder. I'm the one who's in. I was the one, I was the one in the play. I'm going to choose because I was the one in the play. That should we do that because I was in the play. Whatever you want. Okay. Okay, we're going to do I Wonder. Now, which one of y'all are going to do Briar Rose? Okay, Emma, y'all are Emma, you're going to do Briar Rose. No. Okay, sister, y'all can do we're Briar Rose. Okay, we're all going to do it. Okay, we start now. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder why each little bird has a someone to sing to, to sing to, sweet things to, sweet things to, a sweet little melody. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder if my heart keeps singing. Will my song go winging to someone, to someone who'll find me, who'll find me and bring back a love song to bring back a love song. Yes, bring back a love song to me. Awesome. girls just what a week ago y'all had your recital didn't you yeah mm-hmm. and how was that great what did y'all do we danced <laughs> we dance recitals what was the, yeah you had two huh one and in the afternoon and one four, in the morning. eight dances in all eight dances wow yeah of both recitals and what was what were some of the songs y'all danced to? Boogie shoes. Boogie shoes. Irish girls. How did boogie shoes go? Good. No, I mean, what? How? What? How, how the songs sound? Uh, great. 
No, I mean, tell me what it was like. I don't know. Sing it for me. I don't know how it was. Huh? You're not going to sing it? Was it like Boogie Woogie Woogie Shoes or something like that? No. No? That's not the one? Oh, that's the one. That's the one. So y'all dance to that? Yeah. And then you had... It had like a huge diamond. You had a huge diamond on your costume? Oh, cool. Cool. And Irish girl. A little Irish girl. A shamrock and a big I know. That was really cool. I saw that. Very cool. And razzmatazz. Razzmatazz. like a little... What did that one sound like? Razzmatazz. Awesome. Do y'all, I mean, the, the Irish girls, that was all, that wasn't singing though, wasn't it? Oh, it was? Uh -huh. Oh, I couldn't remember. Oh. How did it go? What did it say? <laughs> Very cool. So y'all were really tired at the end of the day, huh? No. Because no. it was y'all like danced all day long. I did like ten recitals. You did? <laughs> no way. Yeah. That's a lot. One recital was a lot, and y'all did two performances. Little kids did it. Little kids did, yeah, but y'all did. Y'all are getting bigger now. This is the first year y'all did both, huh? No. My second. Oh, yeah, you did it last year, more uh, afternoon and night. It's and you did it morning. for the first time this year, huh? Third. Th me and Abel did three times. I know, but as far as doing two in one day. No. Last year it's you did two. It's her first year doing two. This year was the first time you did two performances on no. Sunday, huh? Yep. Uh -uh. Yeah. So, cool. Anything else you want to say about the dance recital? Grace's third recital and my sixth. Yes, it was your fifth. sixth, fifth, right? Fifth recital? Uh -huh. Wow. Your fifth and Grace's third. I didn't do it last year. Yeah, I know. You took a year off, huh? Mm-hmm. Very cool. My okay. first year, I was scared to get on the stage. I know. Yeah. I remember that. I remember. But y'all do great now. Huh. Y'all were like front and center this year, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. On all dances. On all dances. That's right. No, just on the issues. And the other two were on the side. Yeah. Front, front. Front side? Yeah. Awesome. So y'all looking forward to next year? Yeah. Next year what? Dancing. Dancing. Oh, yeah. We're recording. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, cool. Well, Mama's here, so we're going to take a break. And thank y'all for telling me all about Dance Recital. Bye. Bye. All right. As I mentioned earlier, I, uh, I received a cookbook. Uh, goodness, it's been probably two months ago now month and a half or so, uh, two months ago, uh, called Cooking Up a Storm. And these are recipes lost and found from the Times-Picayune of New Orleans. 
And I would like to, I, know I, I spent quite a bit of time uh, earlier, more time than I thought, talking about uh, God Help Me, the, the book on prayer. And so um, it's kind of cutting into my time with, uh, with this cookbook. But just to very quickly tell you a little, little bit about it and what I like about it, um, the book is dedicated to the citizens of the Gulf Coast whose lives were changed forever by the events of August 29, 2005, and whose determination to keep on cooking the foods of their culture inspired this project. And the, uh, the authors of this cookbook are uh, Judy Walker and Marcel Bienvenu. And Judy Walker is the editor, the food editor, or I guess the editor of the food section of the Times-Picayune of New Orleans. Uh, it's uh, uh, the newspaper. And uh, Marcel Bienvenu is, she's been, I mean, she's a writer, food writer, culinary critic. Uh, she has been involved in, in the food business for, um, for a long time. I don't, uh, I don't remember all the details, but she's been doing this, uh, this for a long time. She's written numerous cookbooks or has co-authored numerous cookbooks. I think she has written either most or possibly all of Emerald Lagasse's cookbooks, uh, which I love, by the way. She wrote uh, a few of her own cookbooks in her own name, the first of which was called um, uh, Who's Your Mama, Are You Catholic, and Can You Make a Roux? And that is a, uh, and that's not kangaroo, that's Can You Make a Roux? <laughs> and um, wonderful cookbook, very down-to-earth, uh, homey, real Louisiana stuff. And uh, once again, I love that cookbook for the same reason I love, uh, I love stories. So when a, a cookbook not only gives you good recipes, but it can tell a good story as well, I really like it. And uh, so her books, Marcel's books, typically do that. This one uh, does it as well. This is um, Cooking Up a Storm. And the whole point, as I understand it, behind this book is that, you know, Katrina happened August 29, 2005. And there's lots of places, lots of cities and towns along the Gulf Coast within the range of the hurricane that suffered tremendously. Uh, many places just completely decimated no longer there there are cities i know on the mississippi gulf coast that are no they're just no longer there um new orleans is still here uh, but we suffered a lot of a lot of damage and many people were not only did they lose everything but they were displaced they they had to move away and uh, many people moved and they had to leave the state and it's really difficult for someone who is a new orleanian living in new orleans who loves a city and loves a culture, and you could you you eat it, you breathe it, right? This culture is just an atmosphere; it's just something you live, and then all of a sudden to be forced to move somewhere else. Uh, so th there was a lot of um, a lot of confusion, a lot of uh, anger, a lot of depression, you know, a lot of stuff after Katrina hit that that really affected a lot of people. And what happened was the the uh, Times Picayune had moved their offices to Baton Rouge for a couple of weeks after Katrina. And when they finally were able to get back into New Orleans, uh, one, of the th one of the things that started happening almost organically, uh, on its own really, is that people started to write in about, you know, you printed this recipe in X, Y, Z month or year or whatever, and I had that clipped, and it was in my book, but all of that got destroyed in Katrina. You know, can you either publish that again or send me a copy or, or something? And what, what they found at the, the food, uh, the food uh, department there um, 
what they found is that this was happening a lot. People needed help. So about two weeks after Katrina hit, they started a new project, and that project was to gather as many of these old recipes, these classic Louisiana recipes, as they could, and to republish them. And they started, if I remember correctly, a, a whole new column in the food section that was dedicated just to this. And uh, it was something about rebuilding New Orleans one recipe at a time, something like that. So uh, it's, a, it's an excellent story in and of itself, how this book came about. This book is, like, is a compil- compilation of these recipes that, they, that have been found, right? They were lost and then found in Hurricane Katrina. And they, they compiled these recipes and put them into a book format. So I love it. Just, just knowing the, the, the background of the book itself, I think it's really cool, and I would love to have a copy. Uh, lots of good stuff, right? It does tell good stories. You've got uh, many recipes in here. They, they do drinks and appetizers and salads and gumbos and soups and, and main dishes, all kind of stuff. You have one section actually that's dedicated to casseroles, which I thought was really interesting, uh, de- dedicated to casseroles. A couple of things I want to just point out. Let me just hit a couple of these recipes that I think are really cool. I'm not going to tell you all about them. I'm just going to mention a few things that they say here in the in the story. They give you a little story uh, before each recipe. Uh, the Sazerac, which is a uh, a cocktail, uh, started it started a long time ago. Uh, they say in uh, Exchange Alley in the French Quarter. It's a it's a bar in the French Quarter uh, on Exchange Alley. Uh, it says in 1859 is, is when they think it was first named uh, the Sazerac. Uh, it says that the, the name originated from a particular brand of imported cognac, which was Sazerac de Forge. And I'm, I'm Forge et Fille. I, I don't pronounce French. I, I speak Spanish, but not French. So <laughs> I apologize for that. Any of you out there who know how to pronounce French? Uh, but basically, the name came from the cognac. Uh, in 1949, the Roosevelt Hotel obtained the rights to the Sazerac uh, trademark, and they opened up a new bar in the hotel called the Sazerac Bar. And that's where most people, if you asked them here in New Orleans today where the Sazerac came from, they would say, oh, yeah, Sazerac Bar, that's right. Uh, people know that. Here's another example. You know, for, as far as salads go, I've already told, told you all about the, um, the sensation salad, that was in there as well. So here we have, as an appetizer, how about a uh, shrimp remoulade? Shrimp remoulade is, uh, um, it, it's very good. Very spicy, uh, a lot of, you know, spicy mustard, Creole mustard in there uh, as well. This is something that I'm not going to talk about much. I'm just going to say that um, I plan on making this soon, and when I do, I will include you in on that. Uh, Natchitoches meat pies, something else they have in here. Uh, this Natchitoches, Louisiana, is a little further up. It's not in the New Orleans area. It's a little further up north. Uh, but Natchitoches is famous for their meat pies, which basically it's just deep-fried pies with like a, a pie, pie shell, uh, deep-fried, shaped almost like a, um, a half moon. Right? And, and it's, it's stuffed with this meat filling which is a very, just think of like a, a, Cajun, a Cajun meat stuffing. It's spicy. Uh, it is, it's just, it's really good. And they'll deep fry these things. And, I mean, golly, they're so yummy. I love fried food to begin with. And I know it's not good for you, but I love it. And uh, this is just some, it's, they're piping hot. You, you take them out, you kind of crack it open or break it in half, and then all that steam just starts rising up, and it just smells so good. 
Uh, but they've got a recipe in here for Natchitoches meat pies. I, I'm definitely going to have to try to do that. I'm just terrible at frying things, though. Uh, red beans and rice, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit more about red beans and rice in a minute. I'm going to go through the recipe actually with you on that. I want to share that with you, so I'm going to come back to red beans and rice. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Uh, the Pontchartrain Hotel's Mile High Pie. Now, this really stood out to me. They have the recipe in here for this. This is great. Uh, it stood out to me because Char and I were married at St. Patrick's in downtown New Orleans, and our reception was at the Pontchartrain Hotel, also downtown on St. Charles Avenue. And the Pontchartrain has been around forever, and it is a um, very classy place. And it's known for the Mile High Pie, which is basically an ice cream pie that is not a mile high, but it is tall. It is a huge, very tall uh, slice of pie. And it's, it's, it's just different kinds of ice cream stacked on top of each other to make this huge pie in a pie crust with a chocolate sauce that goes over the top. I mean, it's, it's really, I think, sinful, but uh, very good. And the, the night we had our, uh, I guess this was the rehearsal it was it was the rehearsal dinner we had there. They served Char and I a piece of this uh, at the end of the dinner with sparklers on top. So you had <laughs> sparklers lit on top of this this ice cream pie. Very interesting presentation. It's very nice. All right, just a couple of things uh, before we wrap up episode twenty one. Uh, first of all, if you enjoy The Catholic Foodie, if you like the show, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. Uh, that helps us to uh, gain more uh, coverage, I guess, to, to uh, let more people know about the show. So uh, please consider doing that if you enjoy uh, what you hear. And also, um, I have the pleasure, The Catholic Foodie has the, uh, the honor, really, of having been nominated for a Catholic New Media Award. Uh, the CNMA, uh, the Catholic New Media Awards, uh, which you can we, we, you can find that at CatholicNewMediaAwards.com, and uh, they had a nominating period. I think that was the month of May, more or less, and now we're in the voting period. So uh, the Catholic Foodie has been nominated in three categories, both for the blog and the podcast. And here are the categories. Uh, the Catholic Foodie was. Nominated for Best New Blog, uh, Best Podcast by a Man, and Best New Podcast. So that's awesome. That's fantastic. I was so uh, happy when I saw that uh, that the Catholic Foodie had been nominated for this. So uh, wonderful. And if you, uh, I think, just in general, whether who, no matter who you vote for, I think it's great to uh, participate in awards uh, like this. Or uh, it's an opportunity. It's something Catholic. It's an opportunity opportunity for us to spread the faith. It's an opportunity for us to uh, you know, give kudos for those who are out there uh, producing content for the Internet that, that uh, promotes the faith and helps us to see life in a better, in a better way. Right? It's not, some, some of these podcasts aren't just about uh, Catholicism, but it, it's, it's about things in the world seen from a Catholic perspective. So good stuff, good media, good podcasts, blogs, and, uh, and it's great for us to be able to support these people. And I would also say, if you enjoy my show, uh, consider voting for The Catholic Foodie. That's catholicnewmediaawards.com. There's also a link on, uh, on the website at catholicfoodie.com. 
You may also want to consider uh, getting involved with the uh, the fan page on Facebook, the Catholic Foodie fan page on Facebook, uh, which if you go to, well, once again, there's a link on, uh, on the Catholic Foodie site, uh, but also you can just search for the Catholic Foodie when you're uh, on Facebook. You could just do, use a search bar there and search for Catholic Foodie, and it'll show up. Lots of good discussion going on there, and uh, lots of ideas come from there as well. Uh, I also received a, uh, a, a message on Twitter, and this was uh, just last week. I was, I was, very, um, I was so happy to see this. Uh, this is uh, KFC Store. This is the, uh, the, the, the Twitter handle for the guy who left this, uh, this comment, KFC Store. And he, had to, he said, uh, you know, found you through uh, Mr. Tweet, which is another handle, Twitter handle. Found you through Mr. Tweet. Wow. The Catholic Foodie site is a pure pleasure to explore. Your web concept is inspiring. So I was, that's, that's so nice. I mean, thank you so much, uh, KFC Store. I don't have a, a name. I'm sorry I can't use your name. But uh, thank you so much for that comment. I mean, I, those of you who are uh, regular listeners, and, and if you check out the blog, you know that I have completely changed uh, servers. I've completely changed uh, designs, actually. So it's a whole new site, and it, I'm, I've been moving over all the old content to the new site, and that's not really a, a finished job yet. But it's a whole new site, and I, I, gotta, I have to thank uh, Mike Lindner as well. Mike has been invaluable in helping me make this, uh, this transition. He is uh, extremely knowledgeable when it comes to uh, websites, web design, uh, content management, things like that. So thank you so much, Mike. Uh, and you're in my prayers, man. You're in my prayers. Thank you so much. So it's just so good to hear from other people that they really like the work. They really like what what uh, what you're doing, and not just the podcast, but to see the you know the blog is actually has a has an audience as well. You know that's really good. So if you haven't checked out the blog, please do so. Uh, CatholicFoodie.com. There's a lot of content that goes on to the blog that I just I don't have time in this show to include. So there's things there. There's also um, a uh, place to leave comments on different episodes. And so you have a conversation that starts there as well. You can leave feedback and discuss things with other listeners as well. So please check out CatholicFoodie.com and, uh, and get involved. And lastly, I, I just you know, I want to say that uh, the Catholic New Media Celebration is coming up in just a couple of weeks, the CNMC. And I, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I can't wait. It's, you know, it's one of those things where you wake up in the morning and it seems like, God, it's taking forever to get here. <laughs> it's like Christmas. It's taking forever to get here. Uh, but it's just it's about two weeks away, and I'm very excited about being there. And I can't wait to meet all my favorite podcasters and bloggers. And uh, I, I heard just the other day that uh, Mac Barron uh, of the Catholic in a Small Town is going to be the MC for this event. So I'm, I'm sure I'll be chuckling quite a bit <laughs> as I sit there and, uh, and listen to Mac uh, be, well, Mac. <laughs> He's a funny guy. So I, I look forward, I am looking forward very much to meeting all these uh, great people. And uh, also, I'm really, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to find more ideas for the Catholic foodie, like more ideas. Sometimes in the past, some of the episodes have been exclusively about food. Some of the earlier episodes were exclusively really about faith, and I, I tried to work food in there. But the Catholic foodie is, you know, where food meets faith. So I really want to hear from you before I go to the CNMC, right? It's two weeks away now. Before I go to the CNMC, I really want to hear from you and find out 
what what do you want? What do you want from the Catholic foodie? Would you like to hear uh, more things about food? And if so, what kind of things do you want to hear? Uh, would you like to hear more about you know more faith uh, stuff? And if so, what what about the faith do you want to hear? Because I can uh, you know I I can I, I want to be able to give you what you want to hear. And I've got ideas, but I want to hear from you. I want to let I want you to let me know what would you prefer. So please do that. Please take a, a, a moment sometime in the next uh, couple of days and send me an email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com or you can call the, the feedback line at 985-635-4974 or you can just head over to the blog at catholicfoodie.com and leave a comment uh, on one of the posts or maybe perhaps this post since I'm asking the question here. What would you like to see on the Catholic Foodie? More food, more faith, more of both. What would you like to see? Please let me know. Uh, next episode, I will announce a new contest. It's been a while. Uh, the first and last, <laughs> the one we did last time was the first contest, and that one was uh, for the uh, mortar and pestle, which our good friend Mike Linder won. Um, so I have a new one coming up. I'm announce that next week. So uh, please stay tuned for episode 22. During this year of St. Paul, Catholics have harnessed the power of new media for worldwide evangelization. To learn how you can be a part of this, attend this year's Catholic New Media Celebration held in San Antonio on Saturday, June 27th. Hear from author Patrick Madrid and Father Dave Dwyer of the Busted Halo Show. Music by Sarah Bauer and network with Catholic New Media professionals and consumers. Hosted by the StarQuest Production Network, this year's Catholic New Media Celebration promises to be bigger and better than ever. For details and registration, visit celebration.sqpn.com. And until next time, bon appetit.